Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Allison Incero, Managing Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. On Monday, February 22, 2021, the country passed the devastating marker of half a million deaths since the COVID-19 pandemic began a little more than a year ago. As we now know, however, the virus has had an outsized negative impact on communities of color. On a recent webinar hosted by the MJH Life Sciences COVID-19 Coalition called Color and COVID-19, the virus's disproportionate impact, four physicians discussed the toll the virus has taken on Americans who identify as Black, Indigenous, Latino, and Pacific Islander. They also discuss vaccine uptake and their visions for a healthier future, which ultimately requires attacking head-on the issue of systemic racism that underlies so many social determinants of health, such as housing and other issues. The webinar was moderated by Dr. Utebe Essien, Assistant Professor of Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, and he was joined by Dr. Ebony Hilton, Associate Professor of Anesthesiology and Critical Care Medicine at the University of Virginia and the Medical Director of Goodstock Consulting, Dr. Tyson Bell, Critical Care and Infectious Disease Physician at the University of Virginia, Director of the Medical ICU and Co-Founder and Co-CEO of Alpeak Labs, and Dr. Amaka Inanya, Nephrologist at the University of Pennsylvania and Director of Health Equity anti-racism, and community engagement. In the segment presented here, Dr. Essien asked Dr. Hilton to put a face to the numbers of those we have lost over the past year, and then asked Dr. Inanya to discuss the drivers of the inequities facing communities of color. Um, Dr. Bell, I appreciate the numbers that you brought to us in terms of the numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Whenever I've been on a, a session with Dr. Hilton, she always comes correct with the numbers related to the COVID-19 disparities. And yes, the deaths are so critical and important, but can you please just provide us with a bit of an update as to the data related specifically to the disparities, what we're seeing, what does put some um, kind of stories to the numbers as well? Yeah, I mean, because I think it's important. Each number is someone's son or daughter at bare minimum, but it's someone's husband, someone's wife, and they matter. And at this point, when we're talking about the total deaths of COVID-19, we, since March, have been screaming that we know this is going to be a disproportionate impact on Black and Brown communities. And at this point, 55,580 African Americans have died from COVID-19. And if we're looking at it, as you stated, you know, for every 735 Black people who were alive, last January, one has died from COVID-19. And we're seeing that we're not only dying, but we're dying at younger ages. We're dying at rates of white Americans that are literally a decade older than us. And we have to keep that in mind, especially when we're talking about the COVID vaccine rollout and we're making these, you know, this across the board delineations along the lines of, of age and saying, you know, for 1B, for instance, that we're gonna look at 75 and older, Well, if the life expectancy of black people is only 75, then we're not included in that group. And a majority of us are going to be left out of the um, out of the tallies of who can actually receive that vaccine. So keeping that in mind, what we know at this point, again, is that it's not only along the lines of of age, it's not only along the lines of socioeconomic status for African-Americans. 
regardless if you have a high socioeconomic status, your higher education, your higher income, you're more likely to die from COVID-19. And at this point, in 22 states, in, including D.C., right, one out of every thousand black residents has died from COVID-19. And that, to me, is an incredible number where if adjusted for age, we're 2.5 to 2.7 times more likely to die. Um, and we're unfortunately, because we're dying at younger ages, we're leaving our children orphaned and it's setting us up for a situation where it will literally impact generations to come, um, not just our own here in 2021 now. So it's definitely something we should be discussing and trying to um, strategize how to prevent this from happening in future pandemics. Yeah, thanks so much, Dr. Hilton. Again, these are conversations that you and your colleagues really led, brought to the forefront. Like you mentioned back in March when folks were just calling this the great equalizer, not realizing just how unequal the impact of the um, pandemic was going to be. Uh, Dr. Nanya, you are a leading health equity researcher. Um, your focus, at least to date, has been in nephrology and palliative care, but like so many of us, have shifted that attention to the pandemic. Can you provide us with a bit of a framework? We've heard the numbers. We know that this is disproportionately affecting communities of color, but why? What are some of the drivers of these disparities? Yeah, so when we think about inequities in healthcare, this is nothing new, right? I think we've all discussed this um, multiple times that this has been occurring for as long as we can remember. I mean, it goes back in history centuries, right? That they, that we've had mistreatment of black and brown communities in this country. Um, and with regard to research, the most notable that we can think of, the most notable study is the Tuskegee study in which um, you know hundreds of men, black men specifically, were left with syphilis and uh, to see what the natural kind of progression of syphilis looked like, they were denied or they had penicillin withheld for many, many years, despite penicillin being um, indicated for treatment of syphilis. And, you know, over 100 black men died. And that happened between 1930 and 1970. So people are still alive that have lived through that, that horrific experience. And so um, there's a lot of mistrust in our community and that's been compounded by what we've been seeing on the media, um, the, the other pandemic, as I think Dr. Hilton, you've noted multiple times um, of police brutality um, and what we're seeing just last week at the Capitol and how there's a difference, there's a clear difference in how uh, racial groups are treated in this country, whites being treated extremely different than, than black and brown communities. So there's no surprise that there's mistrust and distrust in, the, in, um, in our communities. And I know we'll talk about the vaccine, um, but that's, that's really where, what, what underlies a lot of this um, mistrust and, and misinformation due to racism. Yeah, thanks so much. And I, again, I'd love to hear specifically your your thoughts, because as a nephrologist, a lot of conversations over this past year have been focused on this one lab value that you and your colleagues studied, the estimated glomerular filtration rate or the EGFR. And so for decades, folks have said this is how we need to look at um, we need to measure kidney function in populations and black individuals have a different number from um, from white individuals. And we won't wax poetic around that. I know there've been prior webinars on this topic, but one of the questions in the chat suggests, you know, to what degree are these differences in mortality related to biological reasons versus structural reasons? And so again, specifically from your insight and I'll hear from others, can you kind of drive home the point as to what, how to answer that question? 
Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's really interesting that people are really focused on biology and it makes you think of kind of like internalized racism and why people feel the need to to prove that, right? We know that the Human Genome Project occurred in 2003 and that groups of genes don't map along racial lines, but we do know the effects of structural racism closely map along racial lines. When we're seeing differences in outcomes, um, we should stop really trying to prove biology. Of course, there's downstream effects of biology, but we're not inherently different in between racial groups. And so I've seen, you know, I think we've all seen some publications that have come out in some of our top journals that looked at, there was one that looked at a nasal receptor and how blacks are more predisposed to catching COVID from that. But, you know, it's really, if we're thinking about the social determinants of health, that structural racism has caused. And so inequities in housing, uh, food insecurity, crowded situations, different types of occupations that track along racial lines, it's really an exposure issue and, um, and access to care and actually um, having access to testing and uh, expedited care once you do test positive. There is a difference racially there, and that's why we're seeing outcomes. And you can see the studies that have controlled for some of those, um, those social determinants of health or impacts of structural racism, then you no longer see a mortality difference between the racial groups. And so I think this, this search for the biological differences between, uh, in particular, Blacks and non-Blacks or Hispanics and non-Hispanics, we really need to let that go and move forward and do responsible research in science and start to think critically about how we design our studies and the policies that we can that we can kind of create to rectify these situations. We've put links to the webinar and other links about health disparities in the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at agmc.com or follow us on Twitter at agmc underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.